Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 54, Bespoke. Every year, I look for the perfect winter jacket. I want it to be 100% wool felt, thick and warm, three-quarter length or longer, with the waist sitting at the right spot instead of right at my A-line, shoulders that are broad enough not to bind my arms, and sleeves that reach all the way to my wrists, even when I'm driving my car. Of course, every year I'm disappointed. Even if I could find a jacket that was wool instead of mostly synthetics, Chances are anything I find will fit oddly in the waist or the shoulders, or be too short in the arms. Such is the peril of having a bespoke body in an off-the-rack world. It used to be that all clothing was custom fit to the person who was going to be wearing it. Either the women in your family made it for you, or you went to a tailor and had it made or fitted to your specifications. Clothing could also be let out or taken in as children grew, or hand-me-downs altered to fit the next person to wear it, unless it was all worn out. Now, the closest we can get is to have certain stores take in or out certain items, men's dress pants and jackets mostly, to fit the person in question, learn to make our own clothing, or pay someone with the skills to make us something bespoken specifically for us. As anyone with a slightly outside the normal range body knows, trying to make an average size off the rack garment work can be an exercise in frustration and aggravation. Spandex and lycra can only do so much to mimic a bespoken fit for someone whose torso is a couple of inches shorter than average, whose legs are overly muscled, I'm looking at speed skaters here, whose shoulders are broader, or whose hips are narrower. For me, there are two and a half stores in this city where I can usually successfully find pants, and only two where I can consistently find shirts that aren't too short in the arms. And even in these stores, sometimes pockets aren't quite in the right place, Waists are a touch too high, or legs are a little too tight over the thighs. Sometimes the fit isn't quite as comfortable as it could be, but we wear it anyway, because sometimes it's the only option we have. Knitters always laugh when people ask them if making their own clothing is cheaper than buying them. Of course it isn't. Between the cost of the yarn, the time spent in making the garment, and also the time spent in making sure it will fit the recipient, be that the knitter or someone knit-worthy, A hand-knit garment is infinitely more expensive than anything off the rack. But, by the same token, it is also infinitely more valuable, because it is bespoken for the person who will receive it. Even a simple scarf, with no fitting required or worries about gauge, still contains the knitter's thoughts about yarn choice, pattern choice, and recipient, and the time it takes to make it. It is bespoken for that specific person, because they are an individual, and something off the rack just won't do. And that is as it should be. We are all individuals. We are not all poured from the same mold, created in carbon copy to one another. We can try to smooth over some of the different curves and lines with stretchy material, let the fashion designers decide what colors and patterns look good on us this year, live in cookie-cutter houses on cookie-cutter streets in the suburbs, but that's merely hiding the reality. Inside each of those houses is a different home, Inside each person is a unique individual, and our bodies come in all shapes, sizes, colors, and patterns. 
What is right for one of us may be baffling to someone else. I like bright, bold colors and patterns, and Mike likes basic black. His Christmas socks were a serious departure from his comfort zone, with their bright yellow combined with black and navy blue. And yet, they were bespoken for him, because he picked the yarn, and I made them to fit his feet, and they are a perfect fit for him. I may have to eventually find someone to make my perfect winter coat. My sewing skills are minimal, and I know the chances of me finding one off the rack that ticks all my boxes are very, very slim. And I know when I do get it made that it will be expensive. It will require finding the right bespoke tailor, sourcing the right fabric, making a pattern specifically for my body, and time spent cutting, piecing, sewing, and finishing. But when it's done, I will have a coat that fits me and no one else. It will be a coat that acknowledges my uniqueness as an individual, that is as comfortable a fit as it could possibly be. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. I'm going to start this Fiber Week segment by talking about the contest that I've been running, and which should have been over as of this episode, and I should have been announcing the winner. But Facebook, which I didn't realize, in its ultimate wisdom, uh, makes it impossible for a person who runs a page to download or otherwise see a full list of the people who like the page. And they also don't allow... Uh, you to run an offer or a contest via your Facebook page until you reach 50 likes. So I am extending the contest until there is 50 likes on my Facebook page. Now, if uh, you remember, the the winner gets a copy, uh, an ebook version copy of the new Knit Picks Fall Color Work um, book, I guess, book, um, which has... 12 or 13 really interesting color work patterns. This is courtesy of Jesse McKittrick, a friend of mine who has a design in this book. So the contest is ongoing. If you haven't, if you've been thinking about liking my page on Facebook, I would really appreciate it if you would. I'm hoping that once I reach 50 likes, I can actually run the contest via Facebook without all of the crazy stuff. So that's a, that's a bit of an update on the contest, which is still ongoing. Now on to Fiber Week, which unfortunately hasn't quite been as productive as I would have liked the last couple of weeks. I've been sleeping really, really poorly. So when I get up in the morning, I'm, I'm actually physically shaking. It's really not fun. It makes me crash a little more. But I, I did manage to wash the uh, one fleece exercise fleece that I'm using lots and lots of lanolin came out of that. I put it through two washes or two scours and, uh, and then dried it. It took a few days to dry, but, uh, but finally it, it was. And, and the, the water, like I've washed this fleece, I think twice, but the water that came out, the hot water was milky with lanolin. It was amazing. So that's all done. And then I actually managed to card up hopefully enough of uh, roll eggs and slivers for everything that I need to spin and combed up a couple of tops out of this. And it 
worked so much better without the lanolin in it. So, so that at least was good. So anyway, it's sitting there waiting for me to kind of get my sleep pattern settled and stop with the shaking nonsense because it really throws a, throws a loop into, you know, my, my ability to spin properly from my homework. But in the interim, what I'm going to do is uh, sit down and work on some of the written work that needs to happen for the workbook if, uh, if the shaking continues. So there's the die cards to make up. I think there's a few essays and stuff and research things to do. So I'll, I'll work on that in, in the interim and get that done because it has to get done anyway. So yeah, unfortunately, not a, not a really productive update this time around. I've, uh, with the, the linen skein that's supposed to be bleached, I actually did, um, boil it this time with washing soda and Dawn, I believe for an hour, still not much of a change in the, in the color of it. So now I've got it hanging in my window. Now we haven't had a ton of sun lately, but, uh, I'm just having it hang in my window and hopefully it'll bleach somehow. So that's where that's at. Hopefully, hopefully it's just a matter of time before I get a little more, a little less color in that skein. So that's where I'm at with level four. I have a feeling if if I'm not getting as much done in the winter as I would like, I have a feeling I'm going to be taking the extension. The actual class list for Fiber Week has finally been posted. I'm really, really tempted by so much. Um, But what I'm thinking is I'd like to take a class from Donna Dracunas, who's going to be there. And I'd also like to take the one day silk class from Michael Cook before I start level five, which will be pricey, but really interesting. So I'll have to look at that and see where our finances are at after all new house, I may only be able to take one extra class. And then in that case, I'll basically have to flip a coin to decide. But I'm really, really looking forward now to Viber Week. It's going to be awesome. So on to looking at level three. Last time we covered uh, module A, which was cotton. And this time it's module B, which is silk. So there are six little bits to the silk module. You had to uh, write a little note about washing silk and then spin commercial Mawada, hand me Mawada, a silk for a sweater, um, warp and weft, and then for needlework. So in this, I lost marks in a couple of places. Uh, For my commercial Mawada, my grist was slightly uneven, which honestly, it's commercial Mawada you're going to probably get a fairly uneven grist in places, but maybe it's a matter of fine-tuning those before you spin. And then my handmade water needed more twist in both the singles and the ply. I had, uh, in my warp, I had uneven grist in a few areas, which for warp is a bad thing, I acknowledge that. And for my needlework, which if you remember, I just sort of slotted in as randomly, there was silk that I'd found in my my um, bag o uh, leftovers, and there was enough for that. Uh, it needed a little more twist. So overall, you know, like not 
not too bad in terms of how I came out. Now, spinning silk. Spinning silk is, well, it's just, it's like spinning cotton. It's very, very different from wool. Silk is is very, very slippery. And uh, even in a merino silk blend, I find I really need to be careful that the silk, the twist doesn't slip past my fingers. Now, I've got permanent numbness in the tips of my fingers, and I wonder, I, I don't know if that's why... Sometimes the twist slips past. I'm, I, I don't know how loose they're getting, you know, how, how little um, pressure there is. But I mean, sometimes it seems that the twist slips past anyway. Some people say to spin from the fold. I'm not very good at that. So I, I probably should practice that more. But, but what I found with silk is if you have a slightly higher angle to your orifice and to your fiber supply, so you're basically coming up like a mountain peak in terms of, you know, your, where your spinning zone, that it's easier to control the twist slipping into your, into your fiber supply. Also with silk, because it's such a long stapled fiber, every once in a while, it just, you know, take your fiber supply and just, especially if it's top, just pull it a little bit because you'll find that you start pulling up from the middle and yeah. So that's another thing. With Mawada, the handmade Moata, I really did not enjoy spinning. Like it, it, I just, it's, it was, there was fun to make, but, but the commercial Moata are, are so much nicer. And then the commercial Moata too, you have to make sure that when you peel it, you're only getting one, um, one Moata because they are very thin except for the edges, which are a little thicker. So but it gives you a nice texture. I quite like Moata yarn. And then for the uh, for the silk for sweater, this again, uh, this is where I was attempting to duplicate a, a three-ply thick silk yarn. Silk doesn't necessarily want to be spun thick. That's that's the trouble with it. Um, and I did find with the with the thick yarn, there were lots of ends peeking out. So. If I were to redo the silk for sweater, honestly, I might do a, a six or eight ply rather than a thick three ply. And it'd be interesting to try that to see if, if it would make any difference. But, but yeah, I mean, you don't want to knit a, a silk sweater out of lace weight. So it needs to be thicker. The warp, again, that comes down to being able to control your fiber supply, not pulling out too much, being able to pull back any slubs, keeping the twist out of the fiber supply. It's really important. And then for weft, again, I did a Mawada yarn. And then needlework. You know, the, I like the yarn. Yeah, it would be stronger with more twist. Um, but I don't know if it would lay as well on the fabric. And that would be something for me to try. But yeah, silk is, I definitely want to get, I believe it's Sarah Lamb has the practical spinner's guide to silk and I definitely want to get that because I have I, I bought some red airy silk and and I've really just enjoyed once I can once I can actually get it and get in the rhythm of spinning silk I've really quite enjoyed it so and and you know people are someone once said to me that people don't want to mess up silk because it's so expensive and I totally get that I've got a, a lovely dyed silk top that I do not want to mess up. But just like wool, the worms are always making more. 
And yes, it's expensive, but you can spin it so fine that you actually do get a lot out of it uh, for the same volume so or weight. So that's what I have to say about silk. Don't be afraid of it. Have fun blending it with things. And just remember that it's, it's, it's its own beast. And it's still a lot of fun. Anyhow, that's the update on Fiber Week. Hopefully I can get my sleep pattern under control and get the shaking under control and actually get some spinning done the next couple of weeks. We have a long weekend next weekend. Gives me an extra day. And uh, so hopefully I can get through the one fleece exercise, get some of the writing done, and uh, move on to either some of the linen or get the cotton finished or maybe the luxury fibers. Fiber notes. Well, the shaking hasn't been much good for my homework, but I've been able actually to knit and uh, to do fun spinning because I'm not, you know, I'm not pressured to keep the grist super, super even or the twist at a, at a certain TPI or anything like that. I finished one half of the fiber that I'm spinning up for my friend for as in exchange for the combs. And I'm about two thirds through the second half. Now each of these is 114 grams. It's quite a bit, but, uh, but that's going fairly well. I, um, I actually had my car in for service yesterday and I spun until the battery ran out and that just about took me all the way through the car service, which was, which was good. So I've also been taking it to work really easy to set up, spin for 15 minutes and, uh, and shut it down. So, so that's been working really well. And, uh, yeah, but I, I swear it's going to be like seven hours of plying or something ridiculous like that. I will actually time it. I'm quite interested to see how long it's going to take to ply uh, two singles of 114 grams a piece because the um, the merino silk and yak was 114 grams in total and it took about five hours. So this has been a little thicker than that, but we'll have to see. On top of that, I've been doing a little bit of knitting. I've been working on Mystere a little bit. It's going really well. Like the, there are some interesting stitches, but once you actually figure out what it is you're doing, it, it goes pretty quickly. Lots of traveling stitches, lots of twisted stitches. I'm getting really, really good at Pearl Through the Back Loop. So if nothing else, by the time I'm done this, I will uh, be good at that. So that's good. Love the yarn. It's nice and soft. It's a louette, a louette fingering, I believe. So yeah, just keep working on that, getting a little bit more done. I also, uh, I succumbed. It's just, it's dreary right now. We've had a lot of snow this week. It's been very cold. So I cast on for Vittorio. Now Vittorio is the um, crescent shawl pattern that I'm doing as a knit along with the friends that I sent them all uh, yarn. Uh, my uh, my three friends that I had to send to, so I sent them each a, a different colored skein of yarn in the same base from local dyer uh, dandelion knits. I kept the rainbow one for myself. I just had to. And it's just the kind of color pop I need right now. The It's just, it's all 
rainbowy and happy in spring and yeah anyway so yeah started Vittorio um, it's pretty interesting so far it's a it's a little bit of a different construction I'm not very far in but uh, because I started it yesterday but um, but I think it's going to go really well and, and as soon as I have the border patterns memorized then it's just going to fly by so that'll be good but between that and Mystere I got got enough things to work on I don't want to work on something like ethereal right now with the shaking. I can handle fingering weight yarn. Slippery lace weight is not a good idea. And then on top of that, I started a thrummed mitten. Now, when I finished Mike's thrummed mittens, I swore I would never, ever knit a pair again. Ever. Ever. I just... There's nothing wrong with the technique, and it doesn't take very long, and, and, well, it does take a long time. That's the thing. I just feel like when I'm knitting something thrummed, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cruising along, and then I drop into a hole, and then I cruise along, and I drop into a hole, and I cruise along, and I drop into a hole. And I swore I would never, ever do that again because it was an exercise in frustration. And then... I had to teach the thrum knitting class, uh, thrummed mitten or thrummed knitting class at the St. Albert Library, and that went well. And then Jen Black called me up and said, "Hey, do you want to teach at um, the HWSDA, the Hand Weavers, Spinners, and Dyers of Alberta conference in May in Red Deer?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to teach there." Oh, do you need to teach something knitting? Okay, so I sent her a few um, proposals, and naturally she picks the thrummed mitten one as one of the ones I get to teach. So I was out and I was talking to Marg a couple weeks ago and Jesse and I went out there and, and I mentioned that I was teaching thrummed mittens. She's like, oh, well, here, I've got this yarn I'm trying to clear out. You could totally get a pair of thrummed mittens out of that. And here, so why don't you take it? And why don't you take this bag of Corydale and then you can knit a pair and have it as a sample in your class. And you can tell everybody that you can totally knit a pair of thrummed mittens out of a skein of this yarn and the Corydale and I will bring it to sell at the conference. And I just, I couldn't say no to that, even though I never wanted to knit a pair of thrummed mittens ever again. So I started the thrummed mittens. I'm using a different pattern than the ones I made for me and for Mike. These ones just have a ribbed cuff and then just the hand is thrummed. However, rather unlike the pattern I used, which was thrummed every fourth row, this one is thrummed every third which is okay still. Anyway, I I decided I had to make them for somebody, otherwise I'd never get through them. So I'm making them for a friend of mine, and I'll be able to test fit them as they go. Anyway, the yarn is green, and the Corydale is this lovely orangey-yellow, and it's going to look good. It's going to look good. I just have to knuckle down and get it done. So by May. It's only February. I can get it done by mid-May, right? I should be able to get a pair done. I should really, yeah, I do need to work on that. But the other things are so much fun. That's the other problem. And especially February is the hardest time, I think, for me, because I definitely need the color and I definitely need the challenge. And I'm really glad the shaking has, hasn't has made it so that I can't knit yet. So anyhow, that's what I've been working on in terms of my other fiber stuff. And I'm still looking for a pattern for my merino silken yak. 
I'd like to get at least something off the needles before I start that, but I really would like to get that finished for the fashion show at Fiber Week. So I'm guessing that will come and you'll hear about it sooner rather than later. But that's the Fiber Notes update. By the Wayside. The shaking hasn't been great for Christmas elegance either. The, uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a little more fine work than, than knitting, for example, or just fun spinning. So I haven't gotten a ton done. I've gotten a little bit done. I did run out of the one green. However, the the dye lot that's currently in stores is a close enough match that, that it'll be all right. So I'm not finished it yet. I'm, I'm working on a, one of the bigger sections right now. But, uh, but in the next couple of weeks, I think I will be able to get that green finished. And then there's just one green left before I'm on to the metallics and the beads, which is exciting. Oh my goodness. Um, I've also been, I, I've had a little less time especially this weekend, because I've been working on, there's that, there's, there's that one closet. And I know we only moved in five months ago. I know that, but there was the one closet that was just a disaster area and really came to the forefront this week. And I'm like, you know what? No, I really, really have to get this done. So I went and bought a couple of shelves and was working on that for quite a bit last night. And then when I got tired, then I sat and I worked on Christmas elegance. So not a ton done. Lots done in the closet, though. Very organized. I'm very happy about it. And it's it's almost, almost done. So so that'll be good. And once that's finished, then really, I've got like one little thing left. And we're basically completely unpacked, which, you know, when we moved into the house up here in St. Albert, you know, I don't think we even looked at some of those boxes for two or three years. So... Now, I'll grant you, you know, Mike's closet is still pretty full and he does have to work on that, but but uh, that's not my problem. <laughs> I don't need to worry about Mike's closet. As long as I can get done the things that that I feel I need to get done, then we're good. And uh, after that uh, exercise room closet is finished, then it's only one more thing. Should only take me a couple of hours one weekend when I feel like it. So in the meantime, Christmas Elegance is moving forward. Not as fast this week, but still moving forward. And if I can get that one green done by next episode, you know, by, I don't know, mid-March, I should be onto the beads, which would be amazing. Thank you for joining me for episode 54. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 55 on February 22nd, 2015. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.